Yeah, it's so good to be with you this afternoon. Oh, thanks, mate. Table and everything. Whew. So good to be here. Hey, um, uh, Pastor Steve is in uh, Exmouth right now. He's living the dream, everybody. Here we are driving through clouds, you know, and as I was driving up to the mount, I felt like Moses, you know, this morning driving up to the mount to hear from God. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, I'm sure it's not raining where he is, and I'm sure it's very nice temperatures and all that. Um, but we're the committed ones, I'm sure, you know. Amen? We're the committed ones in the house of the Lord. It's good to be here. Hey, um, my wife and uh, my baby girl, Lexi, they say hi. My, since last time, my wife is now pregnant, everyone. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because we got a, uh, she's turning two in a, a couple of weeks, and um, we were expecting another in November. Um, it's funny, Pastor Steve's always away when I'm here preaching. You know, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you guys decide. But um, I, I got a picture, um, just my wife, um, or maybe I don't. Oh yeah, so just move your head to the left. We're just trying to do some stretches here. It's my baby girl. And is there another one? Is there another one, Alexi? There she is. Yeah, that was the day that, the morning that she hit her head on the table, you know, on the right-hand side. Always on a photo morning, right? Yeah? <laughs> but um, it's so good. It's so cool to, um, I guess, do life with family, as a family. And uh, I love it that we're also in our church family. And uh, I want to just go to the, um, let's go to the Word of God as we open up. And I'm going to read from Mark 11, verse number 15. Um, we had a little bit of problems with the slides, so I'm not sure whether it'll be up or not. But I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so sorry for everyone that bought their paperback Bible. Um, it says here, When they came into Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area and overturned all the tables and benches of the merchants who were doing business there. One by one, he drove them out of the temple courts, and they scattered away, including the money changers and selling, those selling doves, and he would not allow them to use the temple courts as a thoroughfare for carrying their merchandise and their furniture. Then he began to teach the people, saying, uh, does not the scripture say, my house will be a, a house of prayer for uh, the world to share, but you have made it a thieves' hangout? Which, sorry, when the chief priests and religious scholars heard this, they began to hatch a plot as to how they could eliminate Jesus, but they feared him and his influence because the entire crowd was carried away with the astonishment of his teaching. The title of my message this morning is Uncomfortable Christianity. Isn't that a title that you're like, oh, this is going to be a great message. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I came to church. Uh, but I remember when I was um, young, well, it was year nine, when I was in year nine, my mum and I had, she had organised a holiday to Bali. I was so excited, you know, out, never been to Bali before. And my older brother, who's four and a half years older, he was now an 18-year-old adult. And he could stay home because he was now an adult. So he didn't have to go out with everyone. And so we went for, what, nine days and went to uh, Bali and heaps of fun hanging out and and, and all that stuff, I learned how to barter really well, you know, as a, as a young, you know, 14, 13-year-old boy, 
you know, you're not paying much for a hat, you know, I'm like, no ways am I paying 5,000 rupiah, you know, and you, you start to you get that going and the negotiation skills, but it was a great time, and I remember coming back, and we flew back, and my auntie picked us up, and we got in the car, and we're driving back home, and as soon as we came home, we opened the door, and, and I was met with this woof of, like, teenage sweat, okay, and, and, and mold and all that. And as we came in, and as soon as I walked in, I looked down, and on the lounge room floor, a couple of bodies, they were living, they were just sleeping, everyone. And there were people sleeping on the couch as well, bodies throughout. And, and I'm looking, I'm going, oh, Dan's going to get it. You know, oh, mum's going to lose it. You know, as we walk into the, the kitchen, there were so many dishes everywhere. Like, we didn't have a dishwasher, everyone. I was the dishwasher. You know, my brother was the dishwasher. And, and it was everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And not only, there were so many dishes that they couldn't be stacked in the kitchen, but they overflowed into the laundry. The laundry sink was now full of dishes. I, I kid you not, true story. And I'm like, mum is going to lose it. Like, she is going to... And Dan comes out from his bedroom, comes and he's like, oh, I thought you were coming tomorrow morning. <laughs> He'd mixed up the times, the dates. And let me tell you, right there and then, my mum, so gracious, she's like, she's like, Auntie Karen is going to take me out for a coffee. And when I get back, everything needs to be clean. <laughs> so we went out. And when we came back, let me tell you, there was some hustle going on, you know. I was like, I'm going too, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting left here as well. But I guess that's the, the thought of Jesus coming into his father's house. Walking into his father's house. This time as he's, he's coming in on, on a, a beautiful donkey. And as he's coming, he comes into his father's house and sees it. And, and I guess he did. Jesus did what my mother wanted to do, lose it. You know, like, Jesus, right there, you're like, whoa, this is, this is serious. We never see Jesus in the Bible lose it. But in this one instance, in this one moment, Jesus all of a sudden loses it. If, if, I, can, if I can have my props. Sorry, I did, I did say that you're going to bring the, the props up when I was going to pray, and I've forgotten to pray, so why don't we pray quickly? <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for your word and this message. And we pray, Lord, that this wouldn't be uh, my words, but they'll be your words, that you would articulate everything that comes out of my mouth. And I pray for open hearts and for us to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There they are. Oh, on cue. What, gee, you know, there the people were. They were going around and, and doing their thing. And Jesus absolutely loses it. I think, I think it wasn't just... It's funny because a lot of parents are like, yes, we're allowed to use it, lose it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, but we, we see him get angry. We, we see him actually come up and we see this, this anger. And I, I think, why, why do we see that? And why does it come out? Because you've got to remember, in this time, okay, in this time... You, you just think Jesus and how he would have been. In this time, everyone would be gathering together from all over the nations to come in for the Passover, for where they would come 
And so in this time, it's very busy, lots happening. And you just think, Jesus, as he's coming in, um, what he'll be like. As he's walking through, there are people, all these tables, chairs, all through temple courts and outer temple courts filled. There are people carrying, you know, 50-inch LED TVs, everybody. You know, like there, there are people, oh, it's, it's, it's easier for me to go straight through, cut through, do the old cut through, you know, cut through the temple instead of walk all the way around. And so they're, they're, they're obviously trying to figure it out. And just Jesus, as he's going in, you could just imagine him stepping into a cow patty, you know, like, and the poo oozing through his sandals, you know, we're not talking about closed shoes or wellies, and, and then all of a sudden, he's absolutely losing it. What do you do as a disciple? You know, what? you see Jesus losing it, and you're like, angry too, you know, kicking stuff as well, you know, Jesus is angry, so I'm angry, ah, you know, you just, just imagine, what do you do as a disciple? And there he is, they're just going, they don't know why he's losing it, they they're like, well, why is Jesus losing it in this point? They've never seen him lose it. They, he's had great composure. He's done miracles, signs, wonders, but he's just lost the plot. The, the disciples are now, you know, I don't know, probably kicking things over as well and like, angry too. Um, but then we, we find out in Isaiah 56 why Jesus was so angry. It says, these I'll bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And I think there's a great key in here. You see, in the, in the Torah, in the law, Torah, the first five books in the Bible, it talks about this system that happens, that every once a year they would have an atoning sacrifice, and everyone would come from all outs, from the, the stretches of, of other nations and that, and the Jews would come out and would form, and they would come in, and they would have to bring their sacrificial offering. Now, what they thought was, you know what we'll do? Is to make it easy for those people that come out, they no longer have to bring all their bulls and goats, but what we'll do is they can come in whatever currency they have, and they can come into the outer court. So if you can see here, the, the inner court, can you see the inner sort of sanctum? That's all the inner court. The outer court is pretty much two-thirds of the temple, is in the outer court. And so they filled, that whole outer court was filled with tables, chairs, and bulls, doves, goats, because as people would come in, they would go to the money-changing place, and then they would come in there and they would change their money for the right money to then go in and buy their bull or their goat or their dove, depending on how wealthy they were, and then they would get them and they would come in and then they would sacrifice it in at the inner temple, in the inner courts, and they would sacrifice that for the atonement, the, the covering of their sin. And so, well, why is it? I think it's a good system, right? Let's make it easy for those people that have traveled a long, long way. Let's make it easy for them to just come in and sort their sacrifices out and sort all that out, and that will be fine. You know, this was a great plan, but they violated God's house in the outer court. But you know what? It's okay if we bring bulls and goats and all that and we, we do the money chain and all that in the outer court because it's okay, the inner court is still holy. It's okay what I do in the outer courts of my life, right? Because I come to church and I worship God 
in, the, in, a, in that time and in my quiet place. That we, we can think like that. And you know, that they thought like that. Jesus, you, nothing's changed in your inner court. Nothing's changed in the most holy of holies. That's still good. That's still all good. But we're just doing this just so people can find it easier to bring their sacrifice. Now, for the Jews to have their comfort, it needed to take away from somewhere. And that particular outer court, what was it used for? That outer court, the other name for the outer court was the court of the Gentiles. Wow. I think now it sort of connects. That his house would be a house for all nations. But yet, for the Jews to have, the people that believed in Jesus to have their comfort, it needed to take the space for the Gentiles. Isn't it amazing in our lives that for us to have our comfort, for us to not step out in faith and maybe share our faith, it actually means that other people don't get to hear the Word of God. The Gentiles actually miss out from us becoming comfortable. We don't miss out, but they miss out. And it's amazing here that the court of the Gentiles was two-thirds. There was actually more space, more time, more, more space to gather for the Gentiles than there actually was in the inner court where just the Jews were allowed to come. But people that would come... Uh, from other nations and other backgrounds and other ethnicities, they could come and they could worship God in the court of Gentiles, but not over this weekend because it's been moved, it's been used. And so when I think of the seat and when I think of the tables that Jesus sort of threw over, it does make things very comfortable, doesn't it? You know, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable now and seat and table... And I think that's the very thing that Jesus wanted us to show, that we have lots of comforts. And, you know, look, I'm not saying, hey, let's sell everything and let's live a really uncomfortable life. But what I'm saying is that in our lives, in the outer areas of our lives, God actually wants to use it for His good, not just for our comfort. It says here, in 1 Corinthians, in 3 verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Hey, we, we are His church now, amen? Yeah, we, it, what before the temple symbolized as a building, now the temple really through the cross and through what Jesus has done, the temple is now not this building, but us as believers coming together, that we are the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22, later on, in the Passion Translation, it says, you are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. When we live our lives uh, for comfort and convenience, the people we miss out are the very people in which Jesus died for. You know, the people that don't know Him yet. And we need to live an uncomfortable faith. It's funny that word faith, because I often thought that the opposite of faith was fear. But the reality is, is faith is believing in something that hasn't happened yet, right? 
Fear is believing in something that hasn't happened yet. It's actually the same definition. One's positive, one's negative. But what, what I would say and what I would propose this morning is the opposite of faith is actually knowing. Is actually certainty. The opposite of faith is certainty. And how much in our lives do we live, not really lives of, of uncertainty, which would be of faith, but which would be, we actually live lives of certainty. We, we know what's going on. We know what we're going to do this week. We know how, we know how it's going to go because that's how we've always done it. But God wants to live, give us, He wants us to live a life of faith. There's a part of our lives that we need to take steps of faith out that we're not sure about. And I believe that's where God does His miraculous signs and wonders, where we actually see Him move in our lives. He doesn't move in the comfort. He doesn't move in where everything's certain. Have you noticed in your life where God's probably moved has been in some of the most uncertain times in your life where, oh, I need a job and I, I need it now and, and my, my job's run out here and there's no more work in this area and now what do we do in that uncertain time? We, we start to build our faith and go to God, <laughs> yeah? And then we start to, and then all of a sudden we see God work, we're like, whoa, God's amazing, you know, He's moved in my life and that. But hey, it took you getting pushed out in the uncertain, right? <laughs> to then believe and then God in that uncertain place moves. For my wife and I, we, we felt God call us to plant a church. Now, this was terrifying because I've always been like, I never want to be the senior pastor because I know what they have to deal with. You know, people, problems, finance, all, all that stuff. Like, that's terrible. You know, but when God talked to me about it, I'm like, oh gosh. And I remember going and I remember sitting down with Pastor David and, and as, you know, I'm sitting down going, oh, I feel like there's a seed of faith and the seed of a vision for, for us to plant a church. And I'm like, but I'm not 100%. And I remember Pastor David sort of talked to me and go, um, yeah, well, if it was 100%, it wouldn't need any faith, and then God couldn't move. I was like, Phew. you know, like my mind's blew in that moment. Because we often get taught the safe ways. You know, uh, think safe Sam, spot the hazard, assess the risk and make the changes, right? Yeah? And we pull that into our Christianity, spot the hazard, assess the risk and make the changes. <laughs> and, and so we don't read certain parts of the Bible because we spot the hazard, <laughs> we assess the risk and we've now made the changes. <laughs> but the truth is we, we do that. We try and limit any risk, spiritual risk and risk and fear of us of looking bad or anything like that but as we do that in our life I, I believe we lose the power of the church which is listening to the God and then outworking that in faith and often a lot of times that feels uncomfortable yeah a lot of the time stepping out and maybe telling someone that how do you have it all together and how are you doing this and you're like oh no and you, you feel the Holy Spirit prompting, like, you can actually share your faith. And you're like, no, you know, like, they're asking you. And then as you sort of put it in a way that they're going to understand and not being freaked out or anything like that, as you step out of faith and try and speak what, what God has done in and through your life, isn't that where God moves? Isn't that where we see God moving in and through our lives? And it's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. 
when I think about the disciples, uh, you know, Mark 6, verse 45, we won't go there, but Jesus said to his disciples, hey, go to the other side and I'll meet you there. So they get in a boat and as they're going, there's that huge storm that comes and they're crying, they're screaming because they think they're going to die. Just imagine what they're screaming. Jesus, Jesus. They're the first people that use his name in vain, right? Because he got them in the boat and goes out and now there's a storm, they're going to die. They're like, Jesus told us to get in here and now there's a big storm. We're, we're fearing for our lives. Jesus, you know, I could just imagine it. Going out and, and then what, they then see a ghost and all that and then Jesus comes on and then they go across. But what was at the other side of their inconvenience and that being uncomfortable in that boat was people's lives got touched and changed. We hear about uh, the people that, touched the edge of his garment and then were restored. We hear about the other people that um, had a spirit living in it and then got freed by Jesus. There are people at the other side of our inconvenience, in the other side of us being uncomfortable, people find Jesus. It's amazing. Joseph, he was thrown in prison. Hey, you, imagine that, you know, here he is and he is the profiled son. He's the He's the one with the promise. And he goes from the promise. And how does he get to his destiny? From the promise to the pit. Then from the pit to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house to the prison. Does it get any worse than that? But then from the prison to the palace. That's uncomfortable. That's very inconvenient, yeah? A lot of the time, whenever we feel uncomfortable, and when we feel in life there's inconveniences, we feel often like God's not in it, yeah? I'm telling the truth, because our theology is, hey, if we're doing God's will, everything's going to be perfect, everything's, we're just going to be floating on cloud nine, you know, we're just going to be, whoo, it's going to be awesome, but the reality is, hey, God's called many people in the Bible through time, Paul, Paul's in the prison writing seven of our New Testament Bible books in prison, and as he's writing it, he's like, for the joy, you know, he's writing about his joy. I'm writing you, Timothy, you know, he's encouraging. And I, if I was in prison writing, I could tell you it wouldn't be encouraging. <laughs> It'd be like, get me out. But he's there writing. Hey, I hope to see you. I hope, but I might not. And so because of that, I just want to encourage you right now through paper and pen. And they believe that he's had his own thorns in his side and he's still writing. He's still encouraging. It's inconvenient. He was uncomfortable, but he was still, still full of faith. And he was still bringing faith to life through his rhymes and through his life. Jesus displayed this uncomfortable faith on the cross. Mark 15, verse 37, it says, Just then Jesus passionately, passionately cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus isn't just for us and, and the church isn't just for us, but for all nations, amen? Right there, as the curtain was torn, all of a sudden the thing that separated man from God, from God's presence and man, all of a sudden it was torn because Jesus paid the price of sin on the cross, sin which separates us from Him, from God. And right there we see it separated so we can now have access to God. We can now have access to His presence. It's amazing. 
that that uncomfortable faith brought the most secure and stable ability that we can now reach. We can now have connection with God. We can now have relationship. Isn't that what it was all about? Didn't God, when it was down with Adam and Eve, wasn't it all about relationship? And then it was broken. And then all of a sudden, Jesus brought relationship back with his people. It's all about relationship. You know, Jesus is for everyone. You know, all ethnic groups, the tall, the small, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, the stable, the insecure, the introverts and the extroverts, Jesus is for everyone. In our life, we can become so comfortable that we forget why we're here. Because we don't go to church, but we are the church. Let me say it. We don't go to church, but we are the church. In Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I love this. Because it tells us why we're here. We're here to equip the saints. The saints, a saint isn't someone that's done a few miracles and led a great life and all that and, and now is in Rome in a tomb somewhere, right? A saint is anyone who believes in Jesus. That's why we have a prophets, apostles, preachers, teachers come. Why we gather, why is to equip you for the work of ministry. Of the ministry. You know what that word ministry is? It comes from the word administer. Like a nurse administering medication, it's like the church administering Jesus. We're all here. This is what the church is here. We, when we leave, we are still the church. I like to call, we are the church gathered. We're in like gathered mode, equipping, you know, training, helping. But then come in a few, you know, in another hour when I finish, everybody. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Some of you are, oh no. Um, but come in, what, five, ten minutes. The church will go from the church gathered to then the church scattered. We'll still be the church. We'll still be on mission. We'll still be doing what we're doing. We'll still be worshiping God. We may not do it in songs, but we'll do it in actions. But as we go out, we start to then administer Christ in every area. And what I love about this, when I look around this church, it'll be in every area. Every area in work, every area, through in high schools, primary schools, universities, workplaces, through family, we administer Christ everywhere. I love it. What would happen if we decluttered our lives? You know, so Jesus decluttered everything in the outer court of the Gentiles and what happens when he declutters the outer court? It says here in Matthew 24, 21, verse 14, just reading on. This is the, the next verse. It says, Then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts, and Jesus healed them all, and the children circled around him, shouting out blessings and praise, praises to the Son of David. When we declutter our lives, we create space for people to see Jesus. And I think in our lives, thanks for that. I think in our lives, we live busy lives. You know, we, I, I, I go straight, you know, get up. 
I've got Lexi poking me, you know, wake up, daddy, you know. I'm up and then I'm out and then I've got to feed her and then get, getting ready myself and then, you know, going to work and then coming out and then come back and, and drop Lexi off at, at folks or daycare or something. Coming in, how, how much margin do we actually give ourselves in our lives? We, we, we pack it out, hey? We, we're trying, oh, I got, I got 45 minutes, I can quickly make it to the gym. You know, I could quickly, I could squish that in, I could do that there. And, and we find in our lives, I, I believe the problem of the 21st century is that we pack our lives so full of stuff that there's no margin for Gentiles. There's no margin for the people that don't see Jesus. You know, how inconvenient is it? I was in the gym and then I was, I was, taught, I was in the steam room. My gym has a steam room. It's pretty good. It's, my favorite thing of the gym is the spa, everybody. That's my favorite workout apparatus is that spa. Getting those jets in the right place. It can be hard sometimes. But it's in the steam room and then these guys just start, we're just chatting I know it's a bit awkward in the steam room, you know, it's either quiet or you, you just got to talk, you know, so we're talking, we're talking for 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm parched, I'm like, I've got to get out of here, and so I get out, and I just need to sit down, because I'll, I'll get a bit dizzy, and I sat down, and then the guys come out as well, and then they just start talking to me in another 20 minutes, so I'm thinking, I've got to be somewhere, I've got to meet something, and I, I just feel like God's just like, I just need to put more margin, I need to create margin in that moment, and I just created margin, just meeting these guys, and how many times in your life has it been when you're talking to the next door neighbor and you've got stuff going on inside, you've got people screaming, you know, like stuff all happening, kids going wild and that, but you know that you've you just got to create some margin right now. Imagine if we pre-created margin. You know, imagine if we didn't have to try and be late for something. Imagine in our lives if we created space so that God can move in those areas. Imagine what would happen. Imagine those moments that we'd be able to just bring God and administer Him into those areas because we just had a bit of margin. You know, instead of driving to work, instead of getting there right on time, I'm going to get there a little bit earlier and get some margin for if I see someone. Or get home, I'm going to margin in my... For shopping, you know, I usually take, you know, 25 minutes. You know, I'm going to give it 45 minutes and then if I meet someone on the way in, I can stop, I can say hi. Imagine that type type of margin in our lives I believe when we create margin not only in our time but imagine when we create margin in our finances imagine you you can't be generous if you've got no margin because you've got nothing to give but you know what if you've got margin in your finances and you've got an area in your account that you can bless other people imagine when you go out and you're going out for a coffee oh no no, let me pay for this because I put some margin in my finances so I can bless people. I can sow seed into other people's lives. Hey, that's, that's margin. Imagine margin in our emotions, you know, so we're not all, you know, reached the max, but we've got margin there that also listen to people and take on and, and actually absorb other people's emotional stuff and actually be there for people. Imagine what it would be like if we had margin, if we created space in our lives, people would see Jesus more. I tell you that, people, that's a, I believe that. And so I, I want to just pray for us all in this place that, that God would show you those areas of margin that you can put in your life and, and, and you can create in your life. So imagine what God would do in those uncertain margin areas. It would be supernatural, let me tell you. Is that cool? Let me just close your eyes and bow your heads. Yeah, maybe worship team can come. That'll be amazing.
Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you're a good, good Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in this story, you're showing us a great picture that we are the church. We are the temple. And Father God, I pray that you would help us create margin for people that don't know you, Jesus. Help us make margin in our services. Help us make margin in our lives as we go out. Help us make margin. Father, may we not be all about ourselves and making things more comfortable. But Father, would you help us be okay with getting a bit uncomfortable, but getting living a life that's maybe a little bit more inconvenient. But Father God, may we do it for you. May we do it for your purpose, Father. May we live this life that has an uncomfortable faith in it, that you would move in us, but more you would move through us. Father God, we pray, help us tip over those tables and those chairs so we'd live a life that isn't for comfort, but a life that is for you, Jesus. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. I just want to ask anyone in this place. Jesus did die on the cross for your sin. And it says in the Bible that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He died on the cross and He rose again from the dead and He's in heaven right now, if you believe that He is God and that He was also a man and died on the cross for you, it says that you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from a life of sin. And with that sin brings a disconnection to God. So when you get saved from that sin, when that sin washes away, all of a sudden you have relationship with God, the Father, and with Jesus, the Son. And the Holy Spirit fills you afresh. So right now, if you know that you're not right with God, that you feel disconnected. Maybe you were a Christian. Maybe you walked away from Christianity, walked away from believing. But right now, you want to take that step of believing. Or maybe you've come into this place and you've never believed. And this is your first time in church. And you want to take this step of faith. It is uncertain. That's why we call it faith. And it's a step that we need to take. You want to say, yeah, I want to believe. Just lift your hands where you are. From the front to the back, the left to the right. Sir, madam, young person, anyone here that you know you need to get right for God? Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. I didn't see any hands, but can, we, can I invite you to pray this prayer with me? I'm going to say a line and then you repeat after me. Let's all do this just in case there was someone's hand that I didn't see. Why don't you repeat after me? Jesus, I thank you for laying down your life for mine on that cross you took my sin you took my shame and you paid the price that I should have paid and I believe you rose again from the dead and you're in heaven right now and I want to welcome you into my heart and into my life help me be my saviour and help me follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, can we just stand to our feet?
Can we just sing that, that good grace song? Is that all right? And as we sing this song, maybe just think, let God just put in, what are those areas of margin? What are, where are those areas that you've been so comfortable? Let God just speak to you right now through this song.